Hey, doll. Hey, doll. I'm your host, Paula. And I'm your host, Cynthia. And we are Dolls Dolls and and Doom. Doom. So, Paula, you gave me a sneak peek of the story you're going to tell me today. Yes, I did. And just hearing the name of, like, the nickname of the person you're going to be telling me about literally gave me chills. So... (laughs) Go for it. All right. You know, when you hear the term serial killer, you picture a man because, let's face it, it normally is. Correct. But from 1927 to 1954, a woman killed four out of five husbands and most of her blood relatives. This is the story about the giggling nanny. Back in 1905... Nancy Hazel was born to Louise and James Hazel in Blue Mountain, Alabama. She was given the nickname Nanny at a young age. Nanny was one of five children. James had a farm and would often make his kids stay home from school and help him tend the farm. For this reason, Nanny was not great in school. Missing so much, she would get bullied for not understanding. They thought she was dumb. So when she told her father that she didn't want to go back to school, he was happy to have her help full time. However, working on the farm was hard labor for an adult, so you can imagine it would be really grueling for a child. When Nanny was seven, the whole family went on a train to visit relatives. The train came to a sudden stop, and Nanny was thrown forward, hitting her head on a metal bar on the seat in front of her. There it is. Yeah. That damage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And actually, as a result, she suffered headaches, blackouts, and depression. Mm. And she would later on blame this accident for her mental state. Yep. Her favorite pastime was reading her mother's romance magazines. The Lonely Hearts column would become her favorite. After this story, I'm going to have a couple examples of what the Lonely Hearts columns say. So she would picture her future with great romance. Her father was abusive. He was also very strict. He wouldn't let his daughters wear makeup or any type of clothing that looked even remotely attractive out of fear that a man would molest them. When she was 16, Nancy began working in a linen mill, and after only knowing and dating him for about four months, she married Charlie Braggs. However, it was an unhappy marriage. Charlie was just a year older and not affectionate. Both correctly suspected the other was cheating on them. Charlie would leave for days at a time. To put even more stress on their marriage, he insisted that his mother live with them. Not exactly a recipe for romance. Not at all. <laughs> I lived with my mother-in-law for like four to six months while we were renovating our house. It was supposed to take a few weeks and it turned into several months. Oh, jeez. And I love my mother-in-law. She's amazing. She's awesome. And even that's hard. Oh, yeah. So I can't imagine like, you know, starting off your marriage that way. Right. His mother was very controlling. Nanny said of her mother-in-law, quote, A mother who was unwed, who had taken over my life completely when we married. She never seen anything wrong with what he done, but she would take spells. She would not let my own mother stay all night. She prevented Nanny from doing things that she wanted to do. In four years, they had four daughters. The stress of controlling mother-in-law, the husband that would disappear, and raising four kids basically alone was getting to Nanny. Uh, And being pregnant for four years yeah to have four daughters in four years you're pregnant for four years yeah okay bless her heart yikes so nanny began smoking and drinking heavily 
She even went to the local bar seeking attention that she wasn't getting at home. One day, Charlie came home to find his two middle daughters lying on the floor dead. <gasps> oh no. Nanny claims it was severe food poisoning. So not long after, Charlie left with their eldest daughter, Melvina. Nancy's mother-in-law died soon after that, leaving Nanny to take care of the youngest, Florine, who was still a baby. Nanny took a job at a cotton mill to support them. In the summer of 1928, Charlie came home with Melvina and another woman with a child of her own. Nancy and Charlie soon divorced. I would say so. Yeah. In 1929, Nancy met her second husband, Robert Harrelson, through the Lonely Hearts column. He would write her romantic poetry, and she sent him a cake. The couple married, and they lived in Jacksonville, Alabama, with Nanny's two daughters. This marriage lasted 16 years, even though Robert turned out to be an alcoholic with a criminal record for assault. By this time, Melvina, her eldest, was now married and had a son. They named him Robert Hayes Jr. Two years later, they had another baby boy. Groggy from giving birth, she thought she saw her mother stick a hat pin in her newborn's head. Stop. I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> when it comes to babies. Yeah, babies. that's crossing the line. I understand. But like a newborn baby? Newborn. I mean, not... Oh. Like, probably just a few hours, because she was still groggy from giving birth. Right. And I believe ether from back then. When she asked her sister and husband, they said Nanny told them the baby died and she was holding a pin. The doctor couldn't give a definite reason for the baby's death. Melvina's marriage didn't survive the loss, and she began dating a soldier. While Melvina was away visiting her father, Robert Jr. mysteriously died while Nanny was watching him. Nanny had taken out an insurance policy on her grandson and collected $500. That's so strange. Yeah, that's strange. Right. So now her daughter's two sons are now dead. Okay. So, like, serial killers are already screwed up. Like, we know. But, like, to kill your own grandkids? Yeah. Your own flesh and blood. bizarre. It's one thing to go kill other people. Right. Which is, again, not normal. Right. Not that that is. Yeah. But... Than like your own grandkids, and then to be a woman doing it on right. top, it's just so and weird. These are children; these are not full-grown adults that have wronged you in any way, right? And it's like a newborn, like a, a newborn is nothing but re- newborns is going to sound weird, but they remind me of like little baby mice. Have you ever seen like mice or hamsters or anything like that when they're first born? Like their eyes are closed and they're like yeah. bald and all the, like they are literally so helpless. You could do anything to them. They're tiny. Right. They're so helpless. Like you could literally do anything. Mm-hmm. That is what like a newborn infant is like to me. It's yeah. so helpless. It can't roll over. It can't do anything without help. They're completely helpless. Right. So to hurt in any way something so helpless I just talk about disturbed. Like, you have got to be a disturbed person. Yeah, completely malicious. In 1945, it was the end of World War II, and like most Americans, Robert Harrelson was partying heavily. One night, he came home drunk and tried to sleep with his wife. When Nanny objected, he raped her. The next morning, Nanny was tending her garden, and she found Robert's whiskey jug. She put rat poison in the jug, and Robert died later that night. While traveling to North Carolina, she met her third husband, Arlie Lanning. She married him just three days after meeting him, but it was not a happy marriage. 
Arlie was like Robert in the sense that he was a drinker and a cheater. However, this time it was Nanny that would disappear and for months at a time. Eventually he died of heart failure, or so Nanny claimed. Not long after their house burned down, and even though Arlie left his house to his sister, the insurance money went to Nanny. She deposited the money and went to live with her sister, Dovey, who was bedridden. Not long after Nanny arrived, Dovey mysteriously died. Nanny joined the Circle Diamond Club, which was a dating service, and it was a success as she found husband number four, Richard Morton. They married in Kansas in 1952. Now, Richard was not a drinker, but he was a cheater. Nanny was really mad at her new husband for cheating and planned to kill him. But her mother, Louisa, came to live with him after she fell and broke her hip. This spoiled Nanny's plan. So, she killed her mother, and then a couple weeks later, killed Richard. It was only a few months later that Nanny married husband number five, Samuel Doss. Sam was a minister who lost his wife in a tornado in Arkansas. He didn't approve of Nanny's romance novels or articles that she loved to read. He was such a strict husband that they had to go to bed by dark. He wouldn't let her have a radio or TV or even a fan in the bedroom. He told her, quote, I've been a Christian man all my life and you will be a Christian woman. She would say later of her marriage, quote, I didn't know what I was getting into. That's pretty controlling. Yeah, it really is. I am a Christian. Christianity is a choice. It's not something you force somebody to do. Right. That's not a very Christian thing to do. It's completely a heart thing. So I don't know what he was thinking to think that he could force her to do anything she didn't want to do. Right. And again, yeah. And with her, she wasn't going to bars with this husband. She was sitting at home reading and he's going to tell her what she can't read. Right. I'm not cheating on you. I'm reading. (laughs) Right. That's just really extreme to me. Well, and you know, okay, so my cousin dated this man. We're a Christian family, and my father's a pastor. Like, we're, you know, um, Christianity is the religion that my family shares. Right. Um, and I had this cousin who was dating this man who she met at church. He was very, very, like, strictly Christian. And okay. he at one point told her, like, no wife of mine. They were teenagers at the time. And he told her, no wife of mine will ever have a drop of alcohol or and like started going through this list of things that she would not be doing oh geez and that was the end of that relationship yep so <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that she's like needed to have a drink or anything it was just uh, no husband of mine is gonna, gonna tell, tell me, me what to do <laughs> absolutely <laughs> exactly what i would have said yeah sam was also tight on the purse strings and kept his checkbook close He actually put Nanny on a budget, which Nanny hated, and she left. It wasn't until Sam agreed to put Nanny on the checking account that she agreed to come home. She convinced him to take out two life insurance policies, with her as the sole beneficiary. In September, Samuel began to have flu-like symptoms and was hospitalized. He was diagnosed with severe digestive tract infection. His doctor was suspicious of Nanny. With treatment, he got better and was released October 5th. Samuel Doss died October 12th. Nanny collected the money from the two life insurance policies. Sam's doctor didn't take Nanny at her word, and he ordered an autopsy. And guess what they found in Sam's system? Arsenic. (laughs) Of course they did. Of course they did. Nanny was immediately arrested. 
Before Sam was even dead, Nanny was already writing to another man in North Carolina and sent him a cake. Her usual MO. I think it's like a way of saying, I'll be a good wife. I can bake. Yes. <laughs> yes. While being questioned, Nanny was being coy and claimed not to know what they were getting at. But eventually she confessed to killing four out of five husbands. She was questioned over seven hours and when confronted with evidence, she would giggle and say, I lied about that. She would confess and then say her conscience was clear. She loved the attention, giggling and talking about the sweet potato pie she'd make and lace with poison. When asked why she did it, she said, quote, I was searching for the perfect mate, the real romance in life. She also admitted to killing her mother, sister, grandson, and mother-in-law. However, she was only charged with Samuel's murder. On May 17, 1955, she pled guilty and got a life sentence. Because she was a woman, she did not receive the death penalty. She spent the rest of her life in Oklahoma State Penitentiary and died of leukemia. Nanny was quoted saying, I married these men because I loved them. Clearly, Nanny didn't know what love is. Oh my goodness. I wonder if she like thought she loved them and then, because the first, I mean, she, I guess, murdered her grandkids earlier, but the first husband she murdered was the one who raped her. She murdered him after he raped her. Right. And so I wonder if like she had like almost them on a pedestal and then when they disappointed her is when she snapped oh yeah that makes sense you know like if she thinks she loved them, obviously we know that's not real love but she right. thinks she loved them and then they did something to disappoint her either i um you know because i would almost argue i mean murder after the fact is not i guess self-defense but you know if somebody rapes you you know what i mean to fight back is definitely a form of self-defense even if it's your husband right so um but it, I don't know what the law says about doing it a couple days later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she also had many other nicknames, such as the Giggling Granny, Lonely Hearts Killer, Black Widow, and Lady Bluebeard. Where'd that come from? Okay, so she was born in the Blue Mountains, in oh. Blue Mountain, Alabama. So maybe oh. that's where Bluebeard came from. Okay. But still, it's kind of it's kind of weird. So in case you're wondering what is the Lonely Hearts column, I have a couple articles. So it's, it's basically a Craigslist for people looking for a mate. Okay. So I printed out a couple. And Cynthia, why don't you read these? Okay. So wanted a husband. Must be a naval man. A 50-year-old bobbed-haired widow is in search of another husband, but must be a naval man like her first. She has written a letter seeking the aid of a high official in the Portsmouth dockyard in which she says she is the widow of a naval pensioner who is one of the best and I think there is none to beat them. The widow asks the official not to think that she is bold and common and adds, I often think when I read of divorce in the paper that people don't try to hide the fact that they want to get rid of a husband. So why should one hide the fact that they want one? I am smart, energetic, can cook, wash, and make a comfortable home. If this does not interest you, as of course you have a wife, you may be able to pass it on to someone else. Wanted a husband. Points for an ideal husband are enumerated as follows by Catherine Louisa Stack, 
a nurse age 56 who is advertising for a husband in the Philadelphia papers. Must be well-dressed, must earn more than $5 a week, can have dogs but no children, any color hair except red, <laughs> no naggers need apply, <laughs> must not be from Ireland. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah, she knows what she wants and doesn't want. Yes. Oh, this last one. Okay, Lonely Hearts. Okay, just so you know, this is from a guy. Something is all wrong with me. My doctor says it must be acidity or loneliness. Am not bad looking. No many two-syllable words. Can blow smoke rings and play xylophone if people insist. Would like to meet a blonde woman between 26 and 40 with interest in roller skating and batik dipping. Signed, George. <laughs> and you have a note that batik dipping, and I'm glad you do because I have no idea what this is. I didn't is. know either. That's why I put it there. <laughs> yes. Batik dipping is a method of dyeing material in which patterned areas are covered with wax so they will not receive the color. I wonder if it's batik. Oh, maybe. Maybe batik. Because I want to say like um, there's like a tribal... Uh, a tribal fabric or something. It's like yeah, it's batik. colorful. Yeah, when yeah. I looked it up, there were pictures and they were colorful fabrics. Yeah, okay, I bet it's batik. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, those are interesting. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of? What's like, that? I remember being a kid before internet and um, like before social media where in the paper there would be the personals. Yes. And you would see things like, I saw you this last thursday at home depot you were wearing a red shirt and blue pants you had blonde hair you stood in front of me in line and you joked about the price of pineapples and i remember thinking that was so romantic yes (laughs) and how beautiful and sensational someone must find me in order to want to place a personal ad to track me down right after after that so i just remember that being like the ultimate that just reminded me okay so when you and i worked together yeah right before i meet i met my husband me and a group of coworkers went to chipotle and there was this man eating with another man there like on their lunch break and he was wearing like a button down and nice pants and he was a little older than me. I would have thought he was probably had a good t- 10 years on me. So I was in my early 30s. I would have guessed he was probably in his early to mid 40s, but good looking. And I have a tattoo of a three-leafed clover on my inner left ankle. It was a uh, <laughs> a uh, Key West 25th birthday crazy thing I did that ever since I'm like, why the heck did I do that? But I did it. It's my one <laughs> tattoo. Okay, so... I was wearing like a skirt and heels and this guy says to me, why only a three leaf clover? Why not a four leaf clover? And I didn't really have a good answer. So I said, the only thing I could think of, I said, I make my own luck. And he thought that was cute and witty. And he was like, oh, I like that. I like that a lot. And so we laughed and smiled and everybody got their food and walked out. Well, several months later, And at this point, I'd actually met my husband and gone on a few dates with him. We weren't, like, serious or anything, but we'd gone on a couple dates. Okay. Me and this group of girls go back to Chipotle. And there's this man again. And he remembered me. 
and he said something to me and I don't remember exactly what he said but he was like oh the girl who makes her own luck like it was clear this guy thought I was cute right you made an impression yes and he was cute older like not my normal type but cute and so I walked out, got in the car, and he walked out and was looking around for me. It was oh obvious like he walked out of the restaurant after I'd left and was sitting in the car. Looking for you. Looking for me. Again, I'd already met my husband. We'd gone on just a couple dates. It wasn't serious, but I, I liked my husband right away. But to have this guy that I like ran into twice, I was like, Okay, does that mean something? So I told myself, if I run into him again and he talks to me, I'm going to kind of put myself out there and be like, okay, we keep running into each other. So, you know, should we go out or, right. or whatever? Is this a sign? Yeah. Never ran into him again. And then it all worked out because my husband is actually the the man of my dreams. But anyway, so it kind of reminded me of that, that personal. Yeah. Sorry to make a long story because I can see that being one of those scenarios where it was like, hey, I ran into you today at Chipotle you had a four-leaf clover or you commented on my four-leaf clover like are you yeah. out there so anyway I always thought that was super romantic and yeah totally. even though I never dated that guy and actually in fact was dating my amazing husband I always thought that was kind of like a stroke to my ego oh absolutely <laughs> I mean it's one thing to think to yourself oh that person was really cute you know can't get him out of my head but then to go on top of that you know step further and put something in the paper like, hey, I saw you at this place and you had on this color shirt and I thought you were cute. Like it's, you know, you're taking action. Yeah, that would totally make me feel special. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. That's really cute. Yeah. I like that story. <laughs> you too. I like to tell my husband that story. And he still is like, oh, one more time. And, and to this day, every time I run into Chipotle, I'm like, am I going to see this guy? <laughs> too late now. Right. And I, of course, I'm so thankful because my husband is way, way cuter and younger. And like, you know, like it all right. worked out. But it's still fun to, to think of these things. Absolutely. Nice little ego boost. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the guy who remembered me all those months later. Yeah. Chipotle guy. Yeah. Okay, so Paula, um, I was reading this article that I actually, it, it made me like stop and think because it, it was talking about how like how you drink your coffee says a lot about you. And I'd never heard this before. Maybe you have, but I heard that like people who drink coffee, straight black coffee, yeah, like black coffee um, are considered psychopaths or maybe psychopaths tend to prefer their coffee straight black. I have read that. I thought that was so interesting because I am a huge coffee holic. I never don't have coffee ever. I drink it all day long and I drink it black. And it just made me think, I know you don't like pumpkin spice. Yuck. Um, <laughs> but do you drink coffee? Um, I will drink it if it's a mocha. Okay. So basically for me, there has to be more chocolate and milk and just a splash of coffee. Okay. So I used to love coffee like that, that tasted sweet and all those things. Right. It's um, more dessert than coffee. Right. Like where it's like a treat. Um, Frappuccino, stuff like that. Exactly. Yes. And those are delicious. I will not argue that. They are delicious. But now, after having drank my coffee black for so long, to me, that's not coffee. Like to me, that's, that is not real coffee. Right. And I've heard that many times by normal coffee drinkers. And I'm still not offended. I, I can't stand the smell of coffee. Like if, okay, I like it brewing. Uh-huh. The smell and the percolating, that that's a nice comforting way to wake up. Mm -hmm. But if someone puts like a mug of coffee right next to me, it is the most disgusting smell. Oh no. So does my coffee, because I always have a mug of black coffee every time we're together. 
does it bother you? I know you no. have a very see. My sense of smell is not strong at all. We know mine's you, the exact opposite. The exact, she could smell like anything. So can you smell my coffee, my mm. black coffee? I can smell like a hint of coffee when you're speaking. Okay, but oh no, on my breath. No, no, no. But no, but listen. <laughs> it's even worse. Wait, wait. But you're far enough away from me, uh-huh. and it's not like black coffee smell. It's okay. it's more of like a mocha smell. It's to more me. like bad breath. No. <laughs> See, I shouldn't have said that. No, you can. Of course, we're close enough. You can. <laughs> that's even worse. I thought, oh, she can smell my travel mug of coffee over here. It's even worse. No, because it's when closed and smell far it on my breath. Oh my god! Well, you're facing me and talking. How am I not going to smell it? But anyway, uh, uh, well, apparently I'm a psychopath, or maybe not. But I have the drinking habits of a psychopath. <laughs> I now I want a mocha. You know what I think has the best mocha? Coffee? Yeah. I used to say Starbucks. Now I'm going to say Cracker Barrel. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I will go there just to get a coffee to go. I remember going to Cracker Barrel with you once. And I remember something funny happening because it pops up on my Facebook timeline. Oh, no. Okay, so Paula and I like to do weird, quirky things together, as you should already be aware. We went to Casadega. I dressed Paula up as like in like this old-timey outfit and we took pictures of her at the Casadega graveyard which is beautiful and scary and supposedly haunted blah 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 on our way home we stopped at Cracker Barrel and Paula picked up her little carafe of syrup and started drinking her syrup (laughs) she realized it was not her glass of water and I took a photo of you Yes, I'll see if I can pull it up on Facebook because it comes up on my memories every okay. year. I just don't share it. Oh my god! Um, of you posing with your syrup that you'd almost that you drank, <laughs> oh thinking god. it was your water, and it wasn't until you had a drink. So that's my Cracker Barrel story with you. I totally don't remember that, mm-hmm. but that totally sounds like me. It really just does. Not paying attention, <laughs> fully into the conversation. It really yeah. does. That was a fun day. It was a fun day. Super fun. Yeah. So, well, I don't know what's more psycho, drinking straight syrup or drinking coffee black. (laughs) Don't know, but that's your dolls for you. Yeah. We're Mm. we're a little dark. Yeah. A little bit. Well, if I can find those photos, which I know I can, I will share them um, on our Facebook page, both the the photos that correspond. Yeah. The graveyard photos and uh, the photo of Paula. With her pinky up. I want to say in the picture, you're like holding it very proper with your pinky up, drinking your syrup. You know, like you do when you drink your syrup. Yeah. Pinky's up. Yeah, for sure. So. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We are Dolls and Doom. If you want to email us, tell us about any cases you want us to cover. Ask us any questions. We'd love to have um, some recommendations from you. We'd love to answer any questions you have. If you have any stories you want us to tell, just email us at dollsanddoom at gmail.com. You can like us on Instagram, Facebook, share us, rate us, all that jazz. Talk to you later. All right. Catch you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.